from Wall Street to the White House. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We bring in to continue our discussion of the Republican House and the speakership of Kevin McCarthy. We bring in my pal, Grunge Hill, was one of McCarthy's top uh, lieutenants. Uh, French, what are you in your fourth term, fifth term? Uh, just got elected to my fifth term, which is hard to believe. <laughs> well, you survived. <laughs> yeah. You, it has, survived. you know, it's not the years, it's the mileage. French Hill, by the way, uh, was a Senate staffer. He was a Treasury official. He was a White House official. He knows the ropes. So, French, things finally worked out pretty well. I stayed up till two in the, two in the morning. Um, I watched the whole thing. Uh, by the way, Hakeem Jeffries' speech was just awful. Left-wing drivel. I mean, I couldn't believe he just kept going on and on and on. I thought Kevin's was a, a little better. It wasn't a substantive speech, but at least he invoked Lincoln and George Washington, and then they all finally let me go to bed so I could do this radio show this morning and have you as my guest. <laughs> but here's the thing. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to say that at the end of this whole thing, um, what the Freedom Caucus people did, people like Scott Perry and Chip Roy and Jim Bishop and Brian Donald and others, I interviewed every one of them over the course of the week on the TV show. I mean, I think they made it made it better. They made everything better. I think they're heroes. I think we're going to have more spending restraint, more tax restraint, more oil and gas production, more law and order at the border. I mean, I just think that they made very positive contributions. I know it was hard and difficult and a lot of wear and tear on the votes. What do you think? You were in the middle of this. Am I wrong? No, I think you've set it up right. Here's what I would say is we should have had this vigorous debate and reached these conclusions before Christmas. But Mm. sure, you're right. Uh, We have better House rules. We have decentralized the House from the Speaker's office that was concentrated under Nancy Pelosi, probably uh, to the greatest extent since Joe Cannon back in 1910, when a very similar uh, issue happened and uh, the rules were changed then. So this was a big week for working members of Congress. It makes the member back uh, as a full participant in the process. It makes the committees the place where the work should be done, where the amendment should be debated, where the bills are written and sent to the House floor for consideration. All that was improved by the House rules that Kevin McCarthy and Chip and others negotiated over the last few days. But let me tell you something, Larry. Uh, Let's be blunt. I mean, that rules package, the vast majority of it, 99.5% of it, we'd agreed to, you know, uh, a long time ago. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So so what uh, the main changes were, uh, and they were supported by a vast majority of the membership. This is not something that, like, five people wanted and nobody else does. We all want the 72-hour rule. It says we don't have these bills written in Nancy Pelosi's office dumped on our desk, 4,100 pages, with six hours to read it before we go to a rules committee debate. We all want the ability to make amendments in order to cut spending and make amendments in order on the floor to make a bill better or in committee. We all want that. We all uh, – the two things I think that were added uh, that brought um, uh, real substance to it – One is bringing back the Holman rule, which says that you can help reorganize and restructure agencies that generally that hasn't been done in years. And secondly, is uh, a germaneness 
not germaneness, but uh, single purpose uh, bill effort, which is very common in state legislatures, but is not common here. Uh, that's where we get all these omnibus bills, these giant bills. And so I think there were a lot of rules changes that were made, but they were all ones that the vast majority of uh, members have sought. And I think it will make uh, the House a much better place. French, is there a list of this? Is there a document or when are you going to vote on this? And you know, how will the public be able to read about it? Well, the House rules are um, posted now on the House website, and we will vote on those uh, probably Monday uh, night or Tuesday morning. Mm. And then the House will be fully functioning because we'll have the House rules present. And, you know, again, in, in the in the mass media, particularly uh, not the informed media, which is the Kudlow show, uh, there's a lot of talk about the vacate the chair motion. Yeah. Oh, my God, this is going to turn the, you know, uh, house over to just mania. And I'm not a huge fan of it. Uh, but after reading it and reading its use over the years, <clears throat> Kevin McCarthy is fine with it. And here's something to remind people. Every speaker of the House has been subject to a one-member vacate-the-chair motion since 1910. Mm. 1910, except for one person. Uh, can we guess who it is? Yeah. How about Nancy Pelosi? Yeah. What's so, that, what does it mean? So one person they, raises his hand and or he or one she... One person could make a make a motion to vacate the chair. And then the what? Majority, the majority would make a motion to table the motion. The, so, hold on, slow. Majority... The majority, the, the let's say let's say a Democrat or a or a Republican, mm-hmm. you know, made a motion to vacate the chair. Mm-hmm. The the McCarthy majority would make a motion to table that. Mm-hmm. In other words, kill it, stop it, and there would be a vote held to table it. And you know, if if people are doing their job and whipping the votes and know what's going on, and depending on the credibility of the proposal. You know, it can be beaten. That's my point. And that's why, you know, if you're doing your job, uh, you shouldn't even face such a motion. And if you have a, a team in place where everybody's on top of the issues, you ought to be able to table a motion like that. So I, I just want to say that it's a uh, it's it's out there. It's a right of an individual member. But in practicality, uh, under our house rules in the conference, we can change direction anytime we want to. That's what I said to you the other day when we talked about this. We can, in the Republican House conference rules, with a secret ballot, change our leadership uh, when we feel like we need to. And we've done it several times since I've been in Congress. I knew Joe Cannon. I knew him. I also knew knew Nick Longworth. In fact, I worked in the Longworth office building, the Longworth House office building, in the summer of 1969. (laughs) Well, that's where I'm sitting right here today talking to you. <laughs> uh, and uh, I passed him on the way in. He doesn't look a day over 150. But, uh, I, um, you know, I'm glad this is – hey, I'm glad it's a radio show today because I look, I look like uh, one of uh, Judy's ranching friends in Montana. I was put away – I was ridden hard and put away wet last night. I, listen, Nick, first of all, Longworth was married to Teddy Roosevelt's daughter. Alice Roosevelt. But we don't want to dish dirt today, but we want to point out that uh, Nick Longworth raised a little girl in Washington when he was Speaker of the House, but it wasn't Alice. He wasn't the father. (laughs) But the reason he became Speaker was this is the link. Did we talk about this last Saturday? Calvin, Calvin Coolidge's guy, Gillette, 
yep. was the speaker. Uh, he won in 1923 uh, with nine ballots. So I'm proud of you all because you, you beat that modern record. You won 15. Gillette was Coolidge's guy from Massachusetts. Then Gillette became a senator. And Nick Longworth from Ohio, he's a very powerful guy, became speaker. But but Cannon came later. Did Cannon follow Longworth? Is that possible? No, 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 no. In fact, this is the crazy thing. Joe Cannon was the speaker during Theodore Roosevelt's presidency, and Joe was uh, a traditional Republican. Obviously, T.R. was pushing the party towards new topics, and uh, Joe Cannon was Mister No, and it was he who shut down the whole process in the House that caused the first House insurgency in the twentieth century. And guess who was a who was a three-term new member then, Nick Longworth. So he watched. Oh, I got it. It was a, And it was a Democrat-Republican joint uh, pushback against Joe Cannon mm. to open up the steering committee, open up appointments to committees, open up floor access. And I've always said that fight that was in 1909 to 1910 really wasn't finished it wasn't finished until the election of Gillette in 23. This right. was still the fight inside That's the Republican right. Party. And then Longworth went on to become one of the greatest speakers of the House between 1924 and when he died of a heart attack in those, 31. Those guys are mean and tough. That's why I yeah, like yeah. them. I, you know, they yeah, were tough. tough. They were, tough. I mean, they were models for Pelosi. Listen, I don't agree with Pelosi's politics, neither do you. But you got to acknowledge she was a good speaker. She got stuff yeah. done. We didn't want it to get done, but she got stuff done. Yeah, she unfortunately. She yeah. Well, I'm I'm uh <laughs> you know, uh she with her narrow majority, she held her lockstep. Let me tell you something. Uh the one thing I'll tell you, Kevin McCarthy's done set some records. Let me give them to you real quick. One, he's the longest speaker on the House floor, and I'd say he did it without a catheter, and it's amazing. Eight hours and 20 <laughs> minutes or something like that. You won't get me to do that. Uh, secondly, it took 15 ballots to elect him speaker. Mm-hmm. But the greatest thing he did this week, for the first time in three years, all the House Democrats were sitting in their chair, 212 of them. They uh-huh. haven't been here since the pandemic. I saw people I hadn't seen since February of 2020. <laughs> We did away with proxy voting. You got to come to work like everybody else in America that gets up, right. puts on their clothes, gets in the truck, and unloads mm-hmm. the truck and stocks the shelves at Walmart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Kevin, what what was Kevin's mood last night? You with him after the vote, after the speech? Yeah, I mean, uh, jubilation or sobriety or what? No, it was it was jubilation. I mean, he's worked uh, his entire congressional career to reach this point. He's been minority leader. He's been majority leader. He's recruited candidates. He's tried to fund candidates. He's led the bottom up process to improve our rules, Mm -hmm. uh, to improve the policy making apparatus. And we were sitting there, you know, last night. He goes, man, I love it when the members come and solve these problems. And that's, you know, that's what I want to be recognized as leading the House and getting the members to do the work. When I came to Congress in 2015, um, and I've been, as you noted, in the executive branch and 40 years in business where you have a, you know, a team and an executive decision-making authority. Congress, when you centralize Congress and put all the power in the Senate majority leader's office or all the power in the speaker's office and you neuter uh, the rank and file senators and House members on their committees, let me tell you something. 
you just create more problems than you solve. And during the Obama years and uh, certainly during the Biden uh, Pelosi years, we've seen that in spades. I think that one of the big positives here is strengthening the committee system. Right. That's really what you're talking about. I mean, the term for it is regular order, which Jim Jordan spoke so well about it uh, when he nominated Kevin, I believe, was Tuesday, for the yeah, second Tuesday, or third yeah. ballot. But, yeah. you know, as something I've been talking about on the TV show and here for months and months and months and months, the idea of regular order, which has been abused for 20 years or more, and it's not only regular order on the budget, French, it's regular order for everything. In other yeah. words, you well, want to go after the FBI, let's let the relevant committees go after it, hold hearings, be transparent and accountable. You follow? It's, it's not just money. It's every darn thing. It's foreign policy. It's the border. But you should do it through the committee, right, not through you, five people a in a smoke-filled example. room. Classic example. Last year, $1.4 trillion, I think, unfunded, unpaid-for infrastructure bill parachuted into the House Mm. by uh, some retiring senators, Republican senators in uh, the Senate, working with Senate Democrats on a bill, most of which are not even on the Senate Infrastructure Committee. Mm. So they cooked this up. And what does that do? Well, over here in the House, there is a Transportation Committee. There is a Highway and Transportation Bill. Mm. And DeFazio of Oregon, a retiring Democrat, worked with Sam Graves, a good Republican yep. from Missouri, yep. to write a highway bill. Yep. Yep. Preempted. Preempted. The committee, Pelosi says, no, we're not doing your bill that you worked all the way through committee. You took all the amendments. You had Republicans and Democrats working together. No, we're going to parachute in a bill written in the Senate, not subject to amendment, mm. and you're going to vote it. If you're a Democrat, you're going to vote yes for it. Terrible. And and it, it's it's. That is not regular order. What DeFazio and Graves were trying to do is no, regular order. No, by the way, both, get back to that. both pretty good guys used to come up. Uh, we were working infrastructure, transportation. They'd come up and visit me in the second floor, uh, both of them, you know, together. And we'd sit down the yellow pad and talk about do's and don'ts. Anyway, it's a good point. Uh, French, can you keep your uh, eyes open for another 10 minutes so I can take commercial break? You bet. All right, buddy. You're the best. We're talking to Congressman French Hill from Little Rock, Arkansas, and we're talking about why the new McCarthy speakership and the new Republican House bodes for a much better America. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back. Now, back to the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We're talking to Congressman French Hill, one of the senior Republicans in the new Kevin McCarthy-led House run by the Republican Party. Um Wall Street Journal, uh, French, always got something bad to say now. I don't know what it is about that editorial page. They've gone so pessimistic, but whatever. They're saying the deal on rolling back defense. I'm interested in that, too, because that's not consistent with regular order. The deal rolling back defense spending to 2022. We talked about vacating the uh, the chair. So what about the defense spending thing? What's your response to that? There's not an agreement on that. That's not regular order. Yep. Uh, what yep. the discussions between Leader McCarthy and uh, members were is we have been spending money like drunken sailors all in the name of the pandemic in FY uh, 
through supplementals in FY 2020 because of the pandemic. You know, we only added about $4 trillion of spending that year, plus what the Federal Reserve did. And then when Biden enters the office, what does he do? Green lights, American rescue, almost $2 trillion. Infrastructure, $1.4 trillion. uh, Inflation Reduction Act, quote unquote, uh, over a trillion. Tries to give away student loans. If they did it, uh, CBO says $600 billion. And the Fed is now no longer contributing to the budget deficit because they're running a loss, mm. probably a $100 billion loss, uh, maybe more because of the rise in interest rates. So, look, we're headed towards $1.5 trillion deficits for each of the next 10 years. This is unsustainable. It's ridiculous. And so all House Republicans want to rein in spending. This was a core part of our discussion. How do we do that? Using regular order. And the suggestion of our group Uh, from the Freedom Caucus was, let's maybe set a top baseline of FY22. It doesn't cut defense. It says let's use the top line number and allow regular order to mix that spending. So it's not a dollar-for-dollar cut in defense, for example. The Budget Committee will have to consider uh, how to do that, and the Appropriations Committees will have to decide how to do it. In other words, you might uh, uh, fund defense at an FY24 number, and cut some other domestic spending program mm-hmm. uh, by a higher amount. Which so, is what they should do. Right. It's what they should do. Automatic, it's not an automatic deal. And this is taking the judgment out of the process. And I'll say this, and, and, and listeners should know, that when Congress executed the CAPS deal in, in FY11 between Barack Obama and a John Boehner Republican House, uh, you know, that CAPS deal saw domestic d- discretionary spending, so non-mandatory spending, which is unfortunately two-thirds plus of the federal spending, but it grew uh, under inflation. In other words, it was flat mm-hmm. until FY20, mm-hmm. and if you inflation adjusted, it declined mm-hmm. between FY11 and FY19. So we want to go back to that spending discipline that has been lost during the pandemic. That's what the debate's about. And so we, it was suggested and agreed to that we would look at the FY22 baseline as a place to start. Now, think about that, Larry. You've been, you were at OMB. You know this better than anybody in the country. That, what is the baseline when you say 22? Gosh, it's got all kinds of pandemic spending in it. Mm-hmm. We, right. if, you, if you told me FY19 adjusted for inflation, adjusted for defense priorities, right, then we would be talking about sort of apples and apples because Mm -hmm. that's before the pandemic and, you know, uh, but that's, uh, this is a place to start is FY22 and and, and determine a House budget resolution at FY22 levels as determined by the Budget Committee and uh, then go to the Appropriations Committee. So it's not an automatic uh, defense cut. I I don't think that's the way. That's what I said on on the Fox Business Show. Uh, that's almost word for word what I said yesterday, last night. Yeah. Talking to my pal Brian Kilmeade about this, mm-hmm. he raised it, and I said, "No, you'll see, it's not consistent with regular order, and they're going to have to set new levels." Um, we need CBO to flesh out a, a legitimate baseline here. Oh my gosh! Can and, you imagine trying to do that right now? Well, that's they, the that's they, the you got to do it as a budget guy. You got to have a base. We don't know what the real baseline is, and therefore we don't even know how big the increase from the baseline is. And in fact, friends, one of the horrible things about this uh, 
$2 trillion omnibus bill, CBO never scored it. And to, yeah. to this moment here, Saturday, it has not been scored. We don't really know what's in there or what the deltas are, right? How big an increase in this, how big an increase in that. It's, that has really uh, burned me up because I do know a lot about the budget process. I did it under Reagan, but I also helped do it under under uh, Trump. French, um, I mean, I think uh, on the whole, I still believe the balanced budget principle is very important, but it's a growth balanced budget. It's not root canal. Lower spending, uh, keep the tax rates down. By the way, I like the three-fifths supermajority. Mm-hmm. I've seen it before. People scoff at it. I don't know if it's workable, but I like it. I just like the whole idea of it. I want to make it as hard as possible to raise taxes. Yeah, and I said on the House floor this week, it was Kevin McCarthy who brought the last balanced budget amendment to the House floor in uh, 2018 mm. and and spoke, uh, I thought, eloquently about it when he said, look, you can't just change people and expect a different outcome. You've got to change structure. And that's what regular order and the rules yep. are going to help us do this Congress. French Hill, Congressman French Hill from Arkansas. Thanks a million, buddy. Talk Love soon. Love being with you, Larry. All right, Love folks. Other side of the break, John Carney from Breitbart is going to talk to us about the jobs report and the economy. I'm Kudlow. We'll be right back. <laughs> From Wall Street to the White House, this is The Larry Kudlow Show 